Hey, take your Bibles or your electronic devices this morning and join me over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing our series this morning on the church. We've entitled this series Ecclesia. It's the Greek word for church. Ek, out, klesia, to call, to call out. The church is a called out group of individuals. And we've been talking about different facets of the church. This morning we're going to talk about the responsibilities of members of the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, follow along with me beginning with verse 20. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Right? We are all a part of one body. Though our gifts differ, we need one another, and every member of the body is important. That is true of the universal church. That is also true of the local church. Well, as I think back to the first church that I pastored, there were all of about 30 people there, my first Sunday. And I am also thankful uh, these days that we didn't have videos of the services and recordings of some of those first messages that I preached. I've shared with people, God sent me to that church because I was young and I had a lot of lessons to learn. And he knew I was not going to do any damage there. There's, they had a long history of splitting over and over uh, again. Now, so as a young pastor, all excited there in the, the church, I hadn't been there very long until I discovered that though the average attendance of the church was 40 or less, they had hundreds of members in this church. And being the 
the attentive student in Bible college, I was taught that it's very important in a church that you keep the membership roles of a church cleansed so that people who are not attending are not members of the church. So as I talked with the leaders, and I'd been there about six months at this point, we all agreed that we needed to clean the membership roles of the church. So first of all, we started by removing all the dead people. <laughs> there were members of that church that had been dead for 20 years. So, but I said nobody had ever cleaned the membership list. So then I put together what I thought was a very nice letter to the uh, members of the church who were not coming and who had not been there in some time, just letting them know that as a church we wanted to clean up our membership role and that if we didn't hear from them, we would be removing them from the membership role. Well, I did hear from some of them. <laughs> And one man in particular was very, very angry that his name was being taken from the membership role of the church. So I set up an appointment with him, with another leader of the church, and we went to his home one evening to discuss this issue. And the conversation started out real fine. Uh, everybody was great during the greeting time, and then as we sat down, he looked at me and he said, young man, who in the world do you think you are that you're leading this church to remove members of the church? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be offensive, but can I ask you, when is the last time you attended the church? He thought a while, ah, about 12 years ago, I said, oh, let me ask you another question. Where are you attending church now? Oh, we don't attend church anymore. I said, oh. So I really don't get why you would be upset that we're removing your name from the membership role. He says, young man. When I die and they write my obituary, I want it said I was a member of a church. And how can I do that if you remove me from the membership? And I said, sir, if you're, you know, those of you that know me well know that I'm not real good at trying not to be blunt. <laughs> and, and, and so I said, sir, I don't get it. The only reason you want your name on this list is so it can be put in the paper that you are a member of such and such a church? Yeah, that's it. And he grew upset again. And he says, young man, you need to remember who's paying your salary. Well, I, I checked with the bookkeeper. He'd been gone for the church 12 years, but it had been longer than that since he had ever given anything to the church. But see, today, in our world, when it comes to church membership, it doesn't seem to mean a whole lot to many people. In this individualistic, consumeristic 
culture, the very notion that members of a church have responsibilities in and to the church comes as a major surprise to many Christians. We also live in a day in which some people change churches as often as they change clothes. One little thing that's said that they don't agree with or a decision that they don't like, and off they go someplace else. This morning, I want us to recognize from the Scriptures that just as we talked about last week that there are responsibilities for the leaders in the church, there are responsibilities that all of us as members of the church have to one another within this body. So this morning is not going to be an in-depth study, but I'm just going to try to cover a number of different things that as members of the church, that are our responsibilities to one another. If you've been around here very long, you will have heard the words connect, grow, and serve. You're going to hear them more and more as we move into the fall of this year, as we launch our small groups, that we want everyone here to connect, to grow, and to serve. So as members of the church, we have a responsibility to connect with one another. In Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 25, we're told this, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have a responsibility as believers to connect with one another, to be with. If the church doesn't assemble, the church doesn't exist. It's a called out group. We are called to be together as an assembly of believers. And though I realize there are some who are not here now due to legitimate health concerns and some concerns that still relate to COVID, I also know that there are individuals that are using that for an excuse not to come to church. I'm going to meddle a little bit here for a moment. If you are going everywhere else, You're going to work, you're going to sporting events, you're going to the grocery store, you're going to the theater, you're going everywhere else but church, it's an excuse. And I think we need to examine. And many who were attending church once or twice a month are not attending at all now because you've gotten out of the habit. And once you get out of the habit, it's hard to get back into the habit. And one of the great concerns all across our country is that people who were attending church will not attend anymore because they're out of the habit. As members, we have a responsibility to connect with one another. We have a responsibility to grow 2 Peter 3.18 tells us, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. It is our responsibility to be in the word of God, to be praying. It is our responsibility to assemble together so we're under the teaching of the word of God. It's our responsibility to grow. And it is our responsibility to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of the activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have a spiritual gift. It has been given to you by God at the moment of your salvation. And you are to use that for the benefit of of the body. In Romans chapter 12 and verses 6 to 8, we're told, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what is your gift? Where are you serving one of the things that we have seen, and it's not only true of Maranatha Bible Church, but it's true of churches all around the country, is that even as people are coming back to church, a large number of them have quit serving. Once again, they got out of the habit of serving. Well, God calls us to serve. So what is your gift? Where are you serving. I remember years ago, and this was in the days of evangelists, and the evangelist came to preach at the, the church that I was attending. And at the back door, he was there greeting people as they came out. And there's one particular man in the church who loved this evangelist preaching. And he went up, and he just said, I want you to know that was the greatest message. And the evangelist had spoken on serving that night. And so he looked at the man and said, he was a rather bold guy, and he looked at him and says, well, tell me, where are you serving? And the man said, well, I used to do this, I used to do this, I used to do that. And he said to him, I didn't ask you what you used to do. I ask you, where are you serving now? And the man kind of hung his head, and the evangelist prayed for him. And encouraged him to get back into the service of the Lord. We are to serve. Another thing we are to do is we're to give. The body of Christ, in order to accomplish its works, needs the giving of God's people. Now, I remind you of this this morning, not because it's something I am going to hammer with you this morning. Some of you have come from churches where you heard that every week. Give, 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 give. Uh, we don't hammer on this around here, but we do teach it because it's in the Word of God. And we have a responsibility to give. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verses 1 to 2, Paul writes this. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. We are to give. We are to give through our local church. We are to give in proportion to our income. And I can tell you as the pastor of Maranatha Bible Church, I am so thankful for the giving of God's people here. This body has given so that all of our needs as a body are being met. But if you're not giving, you're losing out on the blessing from God that he will give to you for using your money correctly and for honoring him with your income. But as a body of believers, we need to give. Now, I do most of my giving through this local church because I know there is accountability here and the money is used in a way that will be pleasing to God. I know that that accountability is here. In addition to giving, and I have to move on quickly now, we are to submit to our leaders, and here that means to submit to our elders. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to we are to submit to the godly individuals that are over us. I shared with you last week that as pastor of the church, I am accountable to the elders of this church. Everyone needs to be accountable to someone. And the elders of our church are accountable to one another. We are to submit to one another. Another thing that we are to do is we are to practice the one another's of Scripture. Now, in the English, that word one another is two words, but in the Greek, it is just one word. It is used a hundred times in 94 New Testament verses. Forty-seven of those verses give instruction to the church, and 60% of those come from the Apostle Paul. There are three main themes that, throw, that show up in those one another's. There's the theme of love the theme of unity, and the theme of humility. So I'm going to make a quick run-through about a number of these one another's. We are to be at peace with one another. We are not to grumble among one another. Have you ever noticed how grumbling and complaining spreads? We're not to grumble. We are to accept one another. We are not to bite, devour, and consume one another. We are to gently, patiently tolerate one another. There are going to be some people that rub you the wrong way. Maybe I rub you the wrong way from time to time. Okay, that's okay, but the Lord told you you need to tolerate me. 
because that's what we are to do for one another. We are to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving of one another. We're to bear with and forgive one another. We are to seek good for one another, and we are not to repay evil for evil. We are to confess our sins to one another. Last week when we talked about how the elders pray for and anoint people with oil, a part of that is the confession of sin. We are to serve one another. We're to regard one another as more important than ourselves. Let that one sink in this morning. We're to bear one another's burdens. We are not to judge one another, and we're not to put a stumbling block in our brother or our sister's way. We're to speak the truth to one another. Now that is to be spoken in love. We are to pray for one another. We are to be hospitable to one another. And kind of a summary of all of them can come, or an overriding word for all that we're to do, is we are to love one another. Jesus, in the upper room with his disciples, told his disciples that he gave them a new commandment. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And that commandment was that they were to love one another. And he said this, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I said last week, when the church acts like the church, it's very attractive to those who are outside the church. Now, I am so thankful to be the pastor of this church where I see these things occurring and happening in our body. And this morning, I have the privilege with sharing with you a story from our body of how through your faithful giving, your faithful care, and your love, how God has used that to bless a family within this ministry. Please watch We are this. the Palmer family, and we want to introduce us. This is my beautiful wife right here, Tammy. <laughs> this is Hope, Laughing Hope. This is little Hannah and Nikki, Gloria, and Jesse, and I am Jim. Uh, our journey did start uh, 10 years ago. Nikki was our first daughter home, and she was so great. We're like, we need to do this again. <laughs> we knew we were being prepared for another adoption, and uh, we did not feel all used up yet. And uh, Suddenly, uh, we started the paperwork for Hannah before we ever spotted Hannah. And uh, there was this video of Hannah uh, with the way that Hannah uh, was perfectly made by God, walking uh, bent over uh, that completely captured us. And it was in that video that we realized that this was... This is our daughter. Hannah has a rare condition, a superpower we call it, called Larson Syndrome. It is so rare that there's not a whole lot 
of her lycra, and uh, it affects joints and it affects bones, and uh, a lot of things they just don't bend or they move differently. So for Hannah, uh, it affects the, the feet, the legs, the the knees, the elbows, uh, the neck, the spine, those type of things. So our main focus was on uh, the things that we could, you know, possibly correct, and that would be. Um, start with the knees because she was stuck bent over uh, and uh, not able to stand up at all and certainly uh, walk. So when we got to China and we were there with her, how precious she was. And uh, we were we were communicating back and forth and we were getting ready to leave her providence of nanning. She, uh, she was talking with the, the guide and uh, the guide, uh, like they're laughing, you know, can I take control of the playroom? Can I, you know, do I have, how big is my bedroom? And all these things. And then the, everything got really quiet and his face turned very somber. <laughs> and he said, she just asked you, will I ever walk? And I'm like, wow, that's a big question. I mean, like, how can you answer that at that moment? And I just remember saying to her, you tell her that her mommy and daddy are going to do everything that we can in God's power to help her with that. And so we came home with her and we started getting her strong. We started immediately trying to seek the best medical attention for her. And as you all know, the time was quite short because the pandemic hit. So we were in the midst of trying to figure it all out. And we were getting absolutely nowhere because her condition is so rare that it hasn't been treated here in our area. Uh, so there aren't very many like her here. And what we learned was not what we could accept. We learned that we could get straight legs, but they would probably not bend. So that means that her legs would be stuck out. And uh, that was not an option. We finally had a plan, and that was Hannah needed to go see specialists. And those specialists were in Florida. We did not have insurance for that. We did not have an income from our regular livelihood for that. Uh, but this is what what would be needed to be done. And we already knew in our spirit, we knew it before Hannah came home, we already knew that that was probably what was gonna be needed. The friend reached out and she said, God has told us to give some money towards Hannah's surgery. We know that you're you know, coming towards us and could you get us a tax donation? So it was at that time that I reached out to the church and I said uh, to the pastor, I said, this is what our friend is asking for and they would like to know if you'd run it through benevolence. And the way the benevolence program is set up, it's a gray area to do something like that. It's, it's not, it doesn't work that way. And so the answer to that was no. But somehow, unbeknownst to us, God was working because the church leaders uh, came together and they thought that doing something for Hannah is where God was leading them to. And may I say, doing something for Hannah is a, a little bit of an understatement. A very, we got a phone call that absolutely <laughs> Florida's. I mean, when literally, like literally, Florida, Florida. Put, it, put us on the ground. Uh, I remember we were we were working down in the basement, and I believe it was Rob, wasn't it? Rob, yeah, Rob, Rob Stop called up and said, uh, "Guys, we're gonna we're gonna take care of it." And I was like, "Gonna take care of what?" And he said, "Everything." So we, uh, Hannah's surgery would obviously, I'm not really sure exactly. I mean, her surgery is probably close to, a, you know, three-fourths of a million dollars, definitely over somewhere between a quarter of a million, or half a million and a million dollars. It's two, two legs, eight hours, six days in the hospital for each leg, intensive therapy. We were in intensive care for two days each and then an intensive physical therapy. Uh, and so we did get insurance finally after many phone calls 
trying to get private insurance for somebody who has a condition such as this that's obviously going to be costing a very lot of money. We brought our big God and our faith down there. We were blessed. We had a lot of fear and a lot of different things, and we were blessed with God giving us the knowledge to introduce to her a mighty Jesus roar. And a mighty Jesus roar is something that carried us through our darkest days. It carried us through fear. It carried us through pain. It carried us through... It, it was. It became a, everyone in Florida is roaring. Okay, every doctor, every surgeon, every physical therapist. We all know. It became a theme down there. It was. It was our faith move mountains. Here comes Hannah. Do you want to share? With, maybe somebody needs a roar for their health or their healing, or maybe you can teach them your Jesus roar, and they can roar with us too as you finish your treatments. Okay. Okay. Sunny one. And that's how this mighty child of God, uh, who placed her faith in Christ to take care of this situation, got not only herself through, but a whole lot of us through, was this beautiful Jesus roar. So, you know, here we are today, you know, uh, we still don't have our trade shows back, and we have legs that have been operated on, we have like the bills are paid, because of the body of Christ, we were in a checkmate position. What would we be able to do? He put us in a checkmate position, and it is all been taken care of. And we are so thankful. As her parents, who was asked that mighty question, will you do this for me, new parents? Will you help me walk? And to see her not only walking, to see the wheelchair parked away, to see her her braces coming off, to see her running, riding a bicycle already, and it's only been, we came home in March, we got back home in March, so it's only been a handful of months. She is way ahead. To see God work in this mighty way has been amazing. It's taught us so much, and we're so thankful to everyone to help us to get to this place that we are today because we did not do this in our own strength. We did it in his strength, but we also didn't do this in our own means. We did it because the body came together. So we reach out to our church family and we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It couldn't have been done without you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, body, body of Christ. champion. <laughs> the Palmers join us each Sunday, uh, normally sitting right here in the front, and we're so blessed as a body that we could meet the financial needs that the insurance didn't cover because of your care because of your giving and because of God working through you as a body. When the church acts the way the church should act, it's a beautiful picture to all.
and as members here of one another, we have responsibilities to fulfill so that this church can be all that God wants it to be. We're all here. We've been gifted in different ways. But as we work together, you are needed to use your gifting for the benefit of this body. And when everyone uses their gifts to the glory of God, we will be, as a church, all that God wants us to be.